particular under this Eurocentric white supremacist construct that we living in, right? <laughs> Say that three times, girl. Oh my God, I have a degree. <laughs> what up, y'all? This is Brittany. I'm Mandisa. And I'm Jamal. And we are your hosts of. We're your hosts of. And we're the host of. Living Millennial. Living Millennial. Living Millennial. A podcast where you'll be hearing three different perspectives and emerging stories from three different millennials on everyday life and trending topics. I get it. Okay. Well, I definitely want to ensure that we continue to talk about protection, but testing. And you were, and you actually reminded me this too, when you're talking about, you know the companies who are making the condoms, they have to go do, through a certain testing in order to even be able to distribute and sell. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so that of course came, brought to mind, okay, talking about um, getting tested and how that can be also a form of, of course, prevention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's, let's talk about that. Me personally, I've always been taught to, you know, get tested. And then when I started to engage in adult activities, <laughs> Um, you know, I, and I made sure to not just use testing as, you know, not just to get tested when I, if ever I was scared or anything like that, but even when I'm going to see my regular doctor or my gynecologist, you know, just to ensure that I'm getting whatever tests are available to me at that time. Um, so mm-hmm. let's talk about that different tests that maybe are out there, or I know a common conversation, uh, is just getting tested when you think you're scared. Right. So mm-hmm. Let's talk about our experiences with that and and what can be helpful. Yeah, so I'll throw a statistic out there. One in two people by the age of 25 will have contracted a sexually transmitted infection. Mm -hmm. So just to give you context, that's like every other person, generally speaking, wherever you are at at this moment in time, wherever you're listening, if you go around the room, you go one, two, one, two, one, two, every second person in this room, I'm not saying they have, I'm just saying the odds are they have um and so that being said if you are a sexual being and i mean engaging in any sort of sexual activity whether that's just oral sex whether that's penetrative sex um of an anus or a vagina whether that's um fingers anything of the sort you need to be getting tested um this i would recommend anybody who's actually actually be tested at least once a year and then depending on the frequency of whether or not your partners are changing um, or your age more regularly. So they generally recommend for students, um, so college students between the age of 18 and 22 to be tested every three to six months um, because there's just generally a frequency of switching partners. Um, and so I recommend that, but also when you're experiencing symptoms, absolutely go in and get tested. Um, when you're getting tested, make sure you're, make sure you know what you're being tested for because a lot of times folks say oh i went and got tested and they only got a chlamydia and gonorrhea test mm-hmm. they're thinking i got everything checked the only if you do just a urine test the only thing they're looking for is chlamydia and gonorrhea and maybe any other bacteria that they happen to see there that shouldn't otherwise be there mm-hmm. um if you go in and you get a serum test done a blood test done then they can also look for syphilis they can look for hiv and they can look for the hepatitis so hepatitis a b c um typically they don't test for d but if you ask for it they might be able to um and you want to make sure you can also do an hiv rapid test so that's an oral swab um, and that's usually ready in about 20 minutes so if you um, have a certain sense of urgency you want to get that done quickly those are available that being said with the rapid tests they depending on the test it can only detect hiv as soon as roughly 
two to four weeks after exposure. So if you had a high risk, what we call a high risk encounter, meaning that someone disclosed to you after the fact, after you had unprotected sex, that they're positive um, and maybe not in care because positive, but they're in care is different than positive, And I have never been on any sort of HIV medication. Um, your risk level will vary depending on those, those circumstances. Um, mm-hmm. But they wouldn't be able to detect it because it takes the virus a little while to take hold on your body. So in that case, you would want to go start um, post-exposure prophylaxis or PET. Um, so yeah, and the other thing that you can't do um, is you can't get tested, go have sex, and then think that the results you got when you got tested before you had sex again are now still valid so you might want to hold off if you're waiting on some test results you might want to not have sex until you get those back so you know for sure that you're still good um in the black community in particular y'all we got some <laughs> we got some some stuff with us to work through and this you know a lot of this has to do with access and um stigma and the perception that if I don't see nothing and I don't feel nothing, and I don't smell nothing, I'm okay. Mm. None of those things are true. You can't see HIV. And by the time you can tell, if you can visually look at someone and tell that they might have um, HIV, they probably are at the point where they're now, um, they have AIDS. They, they, it's turned into AIDS because HIV, you can't, you can't see. So they, yeah, you can't see. You might be able to smell something's a little different. But um, the only ones you could see are syphilis if you have sores. Um, general herpes if you have sores, and then HPV if you have genital warts. Um, other than that, a visual assessment is not really going to do a whole lot. So still look, by all means, please. Like, like Maisha was saying earlier, you need to be checking out what's, what's going down before you go down there. Um, but be mindful of what testing you're asking for, um, what you're getting done, because doctors don't always routinely just do the, t- the test. Yeah, and I think that's a common misconception. Was, I went in, they tested me but they didn't exactly do everything. Um, like the, I'm reading right now that the rate of chlamydia um, in black women is five times the rate of white women, uh, respectively. And for black men, it's 6.6 times the rate of white men. So um, there's a lot of reasons for this. And we don't really have time to do the whole breakdown of like public health and accessibility and stigma and all of those yeah. things. But I do know that generally speaking, we, we don't get tested as frequently as we should as a collective because people are so scared of what will happen if they're positive. Uh, we, we have done a, a true disservice of helping people navigate what happens after you test positive for something. Um, yeah. But anyways, yeah. <laughs> before I keep going, I'll put a pin in that, yeah. <laughs> but let's tackle that though, because I think that's a, with the, thinking about the stats that you just read off, like one and two, right? Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's a high number, right? So Mm -hmm. I think a very important conversation for us to have is the after, because let's identify some of the um, stigmas that come with, you know, actually contracting something or, or people even thinking that you contracted something, right? Like we think that we'll think that, okay, I can never date again. I'll never get married or I'll have issues having kids or mm-hmm. nobody's going to want to be my friend. Mm-hmm. And again, it's because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people out there who are miseducated on, you know, what caring for yourself mm-hmm. after contracting an STI or even things like, like HIV, um, what caring for yourself can truly look like and how you mm-hmm. can still live a very healthy and social life. Um, a story actually, and I have to continue to be mindful of how I, what, what I joke about, um, mm-hmm. 
a story I have is I had a friend, two friends actually, we hung out together all the time. It was a, a, a guy, a male and a female. And we were in the car just joking around like we normally do. And he had made a joke about herpes. Mm-hmm. And he had, when he had left and we dropped him off, you know, my friend and I were parked somewhere, I think like right outside of her house. And she, you could tell like something was wrong. And she admitted to me, she was like, you know what? He made that joke about herpes. And she said, and I unfortunately contracted herpes mm-hmm. by somebody that I had trusted mm-hmm. at the time. And, and that's also a common a common thing. You're contracting mm-hmm. it with someone that you trusted, right? Mm-hmm. Or from someone that you trusted at one point. Um, who wasn't honest with you and that was her story and you know and she was torn between telling him and then just like you know not really letting it go but telling him and not telling him right and I encouraged Mm -hmm. her to tell him and then I of course apologized for you know even laughing at that because I was unaware of it and I was also unaware of like you know just how insensitive that truly can be for anyone who may have any type of shame from you know, from contracting any type of STI. And uh, so she did talk to him about it. And the outcome of that story was, you know, he was truly apologetic and he totally understood and he saw her side of it and he didn't joke about it again. At least not that I'm aware of. Mm -hmm. And I started to realize how often we truly joke about those things about just, you know, and, and not in a joking way, like it's like, ha ha he he, like it's very light. It's not like we're joking about the, we're joking about the stigma that comes along with it. We're joking and we're saying, you know, how bad it is, or we're talking about how it can truly like mm-hmm. almost ruin lives in an unfortunate mm-hmm. joking way. Or, or even, I'll say this, not, even, not that exactly, but we're saying how unattractive, mm-hmm. you know, it is, or how um, somebody can be unwanted because of, you know, because mm-hmm. of contracting mm-hmm. Um, like things like herpes. So mm-hmm. I do, I do think that it, there's power in having that conversation. Of course, if you're someone who's contracted it, having the conversation before you interact with someone, but like also having the confidence and kind of uh, pushing past the shame that comes with it to engage in that type of conversation. And FYI, most of us have been exposed to herpes. Like yeah. if you get tested, yeah. most of us have an antibody in mm-hmm. us for herpes so mm-hmm. what that means is you go get tested for herpes and mm-hmm. it'll say oh you came back positive for mm-hmm. um you know herpes one or you yeah know, right and it's and then you can be confused because you're like wait a minute i ain't never had no Albert, i don't know what are you talking about mm-hmm. right and so you and so you realize you have this like antibody most people like i'm talking about most of the population of the United States, I guarantee you, if they would go get tested right mm-hmm. now, they'd have an antibody. Mm-hmm. That's just the reality. Mm-hmm. That's the reality. Yeah. Yeah. Which, no, but I think should keep in mind that, okay, we should be more sensitive about that. We should be able to push past whatever, you know, mm-hmm. negativity we may have with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we, I, I would want to see us in a world where we can feel more comfortable having those conversations mm-hmm. because with, I also hear stories like that was a bit of a successful story and her having the conversation, but I also hear, have heard stories where, you know, people were, weren't honest mm-hmm. and they were only honest with their friends, but they're not honest with their partners that, mm-hmm. you know, they, you know, they're, you know, that there's a chance that they can catch it from them as well. And, you know, and it's, it's sad and it's disappointing because 
what happens when that person finds out and you know they might not be able, able to handle that you know what i'm saying or let, what happens if that person find out and they find out it's from you and you ain't tell them and they're about to show up to your dough you know what i'm saying with the well, cat I think. you uh go ahead go ahead, <laughs> go ahead. uh i was just gonna say there's so many layers to that so Going back to the thing of, of joking about it, unfortunately, it, it makes me cringe every time I hear anybody joke about any STI because it's, it's really not funny. It's just, it's just not. Um, but we've been socialized to, to think that there's this idea that if you are clean, and I hate using that language, when you test negative for STI, it does not, don't, don't use the language of I'm, I'm clean. Um, because that insinuates that if you are positive and living with a, a treatable but not curable STI, that you are dirty. And the last thing you want to do is be out here telling people they are dirty. We all have sex. So if you have this idea that you are, are somehow better because you are not currently living with anything, that's problematic in and of itself. Yeah. Um, the second piece of that is folks don't often realize how much courage it takes someone um, who is living with a treatable STI to dispose mm -hmm. that. And you have to hold space for the people and let them exist in the power of that because that's one, extremely vulnerable. Two, you are um, trusting that this person understands you respect them enough and you respect yourself enough to, enough to have that open and honest dialogue about yeah. your body, your health, your needs. And you're giving that option basically to opt in or out of, of a life of intimacy with them. Mm -hmm. And um, if someone gives you that information, it is not yours to then run with and share with the whole world. You know what I mean? Like you don't get to then say, oh my gosh, I was going to hug up with this girl, but she told me, you know, X, Y, Z. I'm like, I just can't believe that. Like, no, if you say, you know what, I appreciate you telling me that. I don't think we can move forward from here. Then you keep that to yourself. And that's it. That is the end of it. It is not your, yeah. your data to then share with the rest of the world. <clears throat> um, and like you were saying, so many people are living with, with herpes because of the fact that 50% of all new genital herpes cases are caused by oral herpes. So typically HSV1, which is, is more often than not considered the oral strain and HSV2 is more considered the general strain. That's not even truly the case anymore because people are having oral sex and not necessarily using barrier methods. And so people who get cold sores might wait only a day or two after their cold sore is gone and give their partner oral sex and now their partner has general herpes. And they're like, wait yeah. a second, what happened? How did this happen? Um, and so like you said, it's super common. It's so common that um, unless you have open active source, most doctors won't test for it because when you get that blood result back, they can't tell you whether or not it's oral or genital and people mm -hmm. flip out. They freak out and so they're like it's not even worth it it's not considered best practice for us to to send you down that rabbit hole of trying to figure out what's going on with your body so just it is what it is embrace it accept it um and then going back to, to hiv in particular um so many folks are very scared of hiv um but of all of the stis it actually has the best um care regimen because it it can be um pretty tragic if you are not in care and so Folks who are living with HIV who are who are out, meaning they disclose with their partners that they are HIV positive and are on medication, um, if they're in care, they can get down to U equals U, so undetectable, which means they're untransmittable, which means there isn't enough viral load active in their body for them to even transmit it to someone else. Are they still obligated, obligated to disclose? Yes. Um, is it likely that they're going to infect you if they're still on their medication? No. And on the flip side, we have pre-exposure prophylaxis now of PrEP. So if you have a partner who says, hey, I'm HIV positive, and you really want to get with them, you can start PrEP, and then you both are protected. Um, yeah. And so, like, we're, we're fortunate enough to exist in a time where there's a lot of medical um, advances being made that make these things less, uh, less scary and less concerning and, and 
um, easier to manage. Same thing goes with HPV. HPV is wildly common. Um, the vaccine only covers nine different strains. The nine strains are either genital warts or um, different types of cancers. There's still other hundreds of strains. So you could still go get your annual pap smear and pop it with abnormal cells. It doesn't mean that you are lovable or you, that you can't ever have a partner again. Yeah. Um, and my, my third point about this is that there are lots of STIs that aren't prevented with condoms and barrier methods, unfortunately. Herpes and HPV are spread from skin to skin contact. So you could cover your genitals, you're preventing, you know, um, body fluids by, from exchanging, but a skin to skin contact that happens when you're doing the do is still liable to spread those STIs. And so you have to have these dialogues because you, you could do everything right. I know so many people who feel like they did everything right mm-hmm. and still got something because our bodies are just the way that they are. So, yeah. 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 How comfortable are you guys like with the asking your partners? Well, not you, Bria, because you you stuck with your partner. But <laughs> but how comfortable well, I mean, are you guys? I in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> um, how comfortable are you guys, or have you been with asking your potential partners for uh, like not really asking test for results. test results, but mm-hmm. yeah, like asking them if they've been tested in the past. Not comfortable at all. Like between the ages of 17 to uh, maybe 24. Mm -hmm. And then after that, um, comfortable. Um, In fact, the person that I'm sexually active with now, Mm -hmm. um, we just, you know, we had a conversation about like, hey, we should go um together to go get tested yeah stuff, you know like so that's we, cool yeah so y'all fucking y'all we'll talk about that later go ahead <laughs> go ahead <laughs> yeah i am um, i was uh, thankfully esteemed in a way that i was comfortable having the conversation but the way i had the conversation had to shift because for a long time i just said have you been tested yes or no you know and what were your results and i uh trusted <laughs> that some people were being honest um, and they were not. And so that changed from, have you been tested to, do you mind sharing your test results with me? Mm-hmm. And if they say no, I say, okay, that's cool. Is there, is there anything you need to tell me? Um, and, and depending on my own discretion, it was like, okay, we can do this, but we need to use protection methods, which I would recommend across the board anyway, um, unless you're exclusive with a partner. Um, fluid bonded when I say exclusive that's what I mean is fluid bonded um, you should probably be using better methods um, but yeah I started asking for results and some people are, are like yeah sure absolutely look at them um, and then other folks are like yeah no I'm not comfortable with that and that to me is kind of like man I don't know if you should have access to my body um, yeah and particularly in the queer community you know I'm, I'm a woman who is in a relationship with another woman and so um, sometimes people are like well you know, lesbians can't give each other anything or like, what? It, why? that's what I conversation to have. And I'm like, you absolutely still need to be having that conversation. I don't, yes. I don't care who your partner is. They are sexual being. They are um, liable. And um, I, I know of women who have given other women HPV. I know of women who have given other women chlamydia gonorrhea. And I think naively before I encountered those folks I wasn't sure how that could be I knew it was probably possible but I couldn't understand how and apparently our bodies are a lot more creative than we realize <laughs> those bacteria are like "Ooh, a new host yes I'm I'm here I'm gonna figure this out 
Yeah. Um, so <laughs> yeah. So you still need to have those conversations. Um, yeah. Particularly not because of a place of like you know again shame or stigma or trying to kill the mood, but nothing kills the mood more than I can't have sex for the next two weeks because I got to take this you know diarrhea bacterial <laughs> regime and you know you, like that's that kills the more mood more than having a conversation about it. So yeah. I like that. I like how you, I like that last part a lot. That was, that was mm-hmm. dope. I think too, what's important, and I'm kind of maybe shifting the conversation a little bit, but it's still talking about protection. I understand that the conversation around protection is around um, an STD, STI, um, I guess you could say perspective, right? Like, and I, and I totally understand that, get that very valid, right? I also think that protection was, Sex is more nuanced than just um, not catching something, mm. you know, from you, you know. Yeah. Um, I work from a, a very spiritual perspective. And I don't, again, this is not to say, you know, wait till you have marriage. Because I don't give a fuck about marriage, right? <laughs> As a concept, I don't think it's the most profound thing. But also protecting yourself, you know, if you're going to be hooking up with people, right that you don't know very well which is totally fine because i've done it it's cool sometimes those have been really great experiences right um you know tell people where you're going right let somebody know you know i'm at such and such this is what me and my homegirls used to do girl i'm going to this motherfucking house this is where this nigga live here's his address i i used to even text my dude cousins like this is when i used to live in Oakland. And my cousin, like, I'm talking about my close cousin who know, like, how I get down. Like, he don't judge me. You know, like, this is my nigga, you know? I be like, cousin, I'm at this nigga house. Here go his address. If 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 you don't hear from me in three hours, I need you to come knock on his door. Mm. Right? Cousin, like, I got you. I got you, cousin. Be careful. Use protection. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, and, you know, so let people know where you're going. Another thing is, is um, you know, cleansing yourself energetically, you know, if you're going to be dealing with people that you don't know very well, protecting your energy, you know what I'm saying? Sex is very powerful. So, you know, oftentimes we don't talk about protection from that point of view. Like, okay, you might not have no STDs or STIs, but you got some stagnant ass, funky ass energy. And I might not <laughs> want that, you know, I might not want that shit on me. So I'm a Palo Santo your ass down or, yeah. you know, sage your ass down and take a salt bath after I'm done fucking your ass to get your nasty ass energy up off of me. You know what I'm saying? Or that just steam. Or right, or steam your ass up out of me. You know what I'm saying? So like protection for me is like, I think this is an important conversation, but I don't think it should, when we talk about protection, I really don't think it should stop here. Yeah. So I just wanted to bring that to this. Well, that's why you're here because you're bringing you're bringing that perspective yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, I think that's important. Your protection yeah. comes in many forms. Many forms. In many, many forms. And I, and I'm saying that because I'm learning that, you know, there, there are definitely demons out there and sexual demons out there that don't come in just uh, through an infection, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> like they come spiritually and energetically as well. And a lot of, and those things will get passed to the next person right. as much. So I, I'm, I like that. Right. If I'm you had you to choose. Up. Yeah. Right. You <laughs> might want some gonorrhea before you want some other, oh you know, God. like, I'm just saying, like, you might want that before you want some other shit that they got us out there that you got to protect yourself against. 
Neither I one of them is ideal, but yeah, you know, you. <laughs> I'm just saying. You might know how to handle that. You might know how to handle that a little bit better. You waking up, you going crazy now. You like, what the fuck is wrong with me? It's like, well, who you fucking? That part. Yeah, that part. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. Hey, y'all. So we did have to say goodbye to our friend, Bria. But before I let her go, I made sure to get her information for y'all. Listen up. Okay, well, before you you go, Um, let the audience know your handles, how they can find you, and maybe continue the conversation if they would like. Heck, yeah. So... You can find me on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Just Brie Freeze. That's J-U-S-T-B-R-I-F-R-E-E. Um, I am mostly on Instagram if you really need to reach me quickly. Um, and I'm also on Facebook at Just Brie Free Yoga and Wellness. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely am down to answer questions, have a little dialogue, chit chat, all that good stuff. Um, and thanks again for having me on here. I love this. Well, thank you, Queen, for joining us. We appreciate you. We will finish the conversation with our friend, Aisha. But, um, Bria, we'll talk to you soon. Happy birthday, Dad. Thank you, Bria. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> so, you know, the education part, and strictly, again, about, like, the protection, all those things, I love that we touched on that. And I also want to talk about another taboo that comes with with sex and then the aftermath and especially if these things occur but like we talk about assault and trauma Mm -hmm. as well which is where I can't pull you in on this um I I think that is most likely the most important because of what we talked about at the very beginning and, and that is starting with being miseducated on sex starting with um you know maybe not getting answers from you know, people who are well-versed in it mm-hmm. um, and having conversations with, with older generations. I'm going to put it, I'm going to talk about my own experience, having conversations with older generations who are only telling you what to do and what not to do and what's nasty and it's basically what's nasty, right? you know? Right. Um, so then we unfortunately face situations that we either may not know how to get out of or um, you know, things that we may not be able to handle, but we may not know what resources to go to. Um, and then we can almost be, we can almost believe whatever stigmas follow, whatever assault or trauma we may have faced. Right. Mm-hmm. And we may, uh, fall into and believe whatever I would say blaming mm-hmm. that, that might come across that we mm-hmm. might come across. Right. Cause mm-hmm. victim blaming is a real, is a real deal. So mm-hmm. I do want to talk about that. I, I just want to talk about that. Yeah. I think that's important. Yeah. 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 Sexual trauma, um, sexual violence. And I look at them differently, but also same. So for me, as I've said to you before, I define sexual trauma as twofold. And it could even be shit sixfold, but I've discovered <laughs> twofold. So for me, one is um, physical violations against the body, right? So that includes any type of sexual assault, which could range from, um, you know, groping, you know, or what we commonly know as molestation, um, rape, which could be um, penile to vaginal or penile to anus. And legally, the term, the correct term for that, or not correct, the heteronormative and slightly 
problematic term for that is sodomy. Because um, again, legal legal definitions for what rape is in sexual assault sound different than the way that yeah. the common commoners, I guess you could say, yeah. you know, Thank talk. You bringing that up. Yeah. Um, so that's one part of the physical violations against the body, right? Mm -hmm. The second, the second part of it is, um, is the things that we internalize, right? Around, around sex, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, one of, one of those things could be, um, internalizing that if you masturbate, you're going to go to hell. Or if I, you know, if I'm, if I fuck the same gender or a gender, a marginalized um, gender, you know, that can include, you know, trans folks, you know, um, non-binary folks. If I'm having sex with these folks, there's something wrong with me, right? Yeah. Um, so that's that part of it. That, And then I would even say even maybe threefold, right? The energetic part of it, right? So the generational trauma that we pass down, right? Yeah. And particularly as Black folks, that's important to talk about because a lot of when we talk about enslavement, um, the enslavement of African folks, we tend to forget. And, and, and many of our scholars like Patricia Hill Collins knows this to be very much true, but the sexual trauma that black folks endured during slavery has mm -hmm. been, was tremendous, yeah. right? It, it played a huge part of um, the ways in which enslavement was carried out. Rape was used as a tool to, to not only create more Africans for more production reasons, right? But to also humiliate, to dehumanize, to, you know, to, to disempower us, right? And so we have to talk about, well, what, how were our ideologies as African people shifted when we went into this new, you know, um, I guess environment that we had to survive in, right? Yeah. So we often talk about survival sex as a, a form of, of making money, right? Like sex work. But a lot of us were in this like survival sex as, you know, um, I'm going to do this to, I'm going to have sex with this person, even, even though it's rape, but I'm going to have sex with this person to survive, survive. Yeah. right? Wow. Um, so I think we have to talk about how that's passed down to us, how yeah. we carry the 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 trauma of our great great grandmothers, you know, and it's important. It's really important. <laughs> it is important. It yeah. is important. And yeah, I think our generation is in a process of working through that. Mm -hmm. And and unfortunately we with breaking through that and identifying those traumas. Mm -hmm. I think we also get criticized, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. From the uh, and we get those criticisms from the the very generations that and the very people that we received mm -hmm. that initial mindset from, that initial conditioning from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, it's tremendous. It's it it's is. it's very tremendous. Um, and then in terms of too how not only intra but intercommunally how you know we respond to sexual assault as black folks right so you know how to outside the external world so our the institutions the hospitals yeah. the sexual um assault you know centers the rape crisis centers the medical did i say medical institutions the you know 
various institutions, how they, the police, the criminal justice system, how they respond to the sexual assaults of Black people, right? Yeah. But then also how we respond in our in our families and in our communities, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, R. Kelly being a, a more heightened um, example of that, but, you know, not a singular example, right? Yeah. We know tons of millions of R. Kelly's, right? <laughs> but, you know, how many, how, like, it took, what, um, two documentaries, and you know, twenty years of just a buildup for us to go. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. So then, mm-hmm. what does that say about you know how you know we um, understand sexual violence? Yeah, right. And do we see these acts as sexual violence? Right. Mm-hmm. And where does that come from? Yeah, like where does it come from where a man can have you know sex or you know rape a child and we don't, see, but we don't see it as that. Yeah. We don't see, like where. So where does that come from? Yeah, that so. goes back from. That, but I think that goes back to you talking about our history, especially in our history when we were enslaved as people. And you know, if a mother or a grandmother or an aunt were to you know actually speak up against you know the white slave master that would come in and and you know maybe rape the young the young girl or the young daughter or granddaughter or niece, you know they potentially were all in danger if someone said something, right? If someone stood up for her. So um, I think that's, that has been passed down. So naturally, this is unfortunate, but naturally we could very well be, um, you know, conditioned to just ignore it, Mm -hmm. you know, or just act like it hasn't happened, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't allow us to address it Mm -hmm. effectively. And that doesn't Mm -hmm. allow us to see trauma for what it truly is. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, that's where our generation is coming into, is coming in and identifying exactly the, and I don't really like this word, but I think in this term it's, or in this context is actually, I'm using it correctly, Mm -hmm. um, but we're identifying the toxicity that comes Mm -hmm. with that. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? With like just ignoring things. Mm -hmm. We are not, we're not healing when we ignore things. Mm -hmm. And we are, I think, maybe not collectively, but there's a number of us where it is now become, becoming a trend to heal, mm-hmm. which is a good trend. This yeah. is a trend. I'm not against what's the right. It's a good thing. But yeah, it's a good thing. We are we are really focusing on healing those yeah. wounds that yeah. we've had for generations and generations right. and generations. Right. Um. So you know, if we ever are assaulted, we are a number of us, not everybody, but a number of us now. I'm seeing are actually speaking up and saying something. Yeah. Um. Now, what comes with that, unfortunately that I've seen mm-hmm. is, you know, we, they're still victim blaming. Yeah. And I think you and I had this conversation uh, quite some time ago because yeah. um, I had an idea mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to address, um, to address a topic like this. And you had said, we have to figure out what, what justice looks like for us because we may not get the justice that the justice that we're truly seeking from the criminal justice system. Yeah. Right. Um, and having that conversation or similar conversation with other, particularly other women who are in the same room as you have a friend. And you guys may know from episode episode six about ghosting. Erica um, was a guest on that show and she's now the director um, at the university she works with of Title IX. Mm-hmm. So she's she's certainly in this work as well. Um, and the conversation I had with her was was is pretty similar, like the outcomes it's not always fulfilling for the victim. 
um, and the shaming still comes comes with it. And there's always questions, unfortunately, of you know, well, what were you doing? What yeah. were you wearing? Um, what right. did you have going on? Why didn't you say this, that, this, and that? that? Right. Exactly. Um, or why did you have so much to drink or whatever? And it's just, it's, it's truly troubling. So I think identifying those injustices mm -hmm. and also, you know, trying to figure out what our own justice may look like is absolutely is, is deep. Because the reality is, I mean, out of every hundred rapes that happened, um, and this is a statistics that I want to say come from the FBI, um, out of every hundred rapes that happened, I want to say only 23 of them are um, reported. Mm -hmm. And again, we have to, the question that we have to ask is, okay, well, when who, when these statistics were done, who were they serving, right? Are mm -hmm. these, are these white women that they're looking at? Because if that's the case, we know that that's even less for black, black women, women. Yeah. right? Yeah. And so, um, the, the, the important thing in that is like, well, shit, if only 20, if only, I think, and out of that, only, I want to say one to three rapists. Um, will serve time in prison right yeah. you know um so again if we're looking you know um at white women who are reporting mm -hmm. right then we know that for black women like that is yeah. like the the crimes that are being committed against us yeah you know are yeah. not nobody's being held accountable for them again yeah. r kelly is an example that it took 20 something years for us to get to a point yeah. where, you know, something, you know, was done about that. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, the victim blaming, you know, mm -hmm. which is a, is a, is a variable of rape culture, right? Because again, rape culture is, you know, an, a organized phenomenon in which we, um, normalize rape, yeah. right? And sexual assault is seen as something that is, uh, a normality of engaging in sex, yeah. right? And so even the ways that we engage in sex, you know, or have been taught to engage in sex, right? You may not um, think like, oh, that's rapey. But when you look mm -hmm. at it and you study rape culture, it is, right? Yeah. You know, um, if we're looking at this in a binary way, like men, um, and I would even say black men in particular, are not taught that their bodies are worthy of consent the same ways that black women are not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, who, you know what, who's sitting black boys down and be, and, and are telling them, you know, people should ask you if they, Before if they. you know, you have a right to be asked if, you yeah. know, you can be touched or yeah. if you're ready for sex, yeah. you know, we tell them just go fuck, you yeah. know, spread yourself. I will say this. And this is where I typically have to come in my family, mm -hmm. but we've, we will have those conversations okay. with my nephews. We have more, let more women in our family than, than boys, but we have the conversation across the board. Like he knows, like, we don't want to hug anybody, like, or, you know, if you don't want to be kissed by nobody, none of those things, like, it's okay to say, no, thank you. Right. Don't just say no, like, cause then you, you know. Yeah, like, hey, but still, like, it's okay to say no, thank you. It's okay to say no, I don't, not right now, or mm -hmm. you know, I'd rather you not. It's okay to say those things, and that's important. Um, and yeah, and it's very important. Mm -hmm. So, I think that's where, so it may not be a lot of families or even black families that are having those conversations, but um, mm -hmm. I will, this is where I will commend my family for doing just that. Yeah. And I think, and I've always been, I definitely was taught that, which is why it's, it was hard for me to understand that, you know 
people don't truly believe that no means no because I'm always like, uh, if I say no the first time, that's mm-hmm. exactly what the fuck it is. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna fuck it up. Mm-hmm. But not everybody's taught that, mm-hmm. so you have to hold that boundary, um, and sometimes have to repeat repeat that for mm-hmm. some folks. Um, but definitely talk about little boys and talking about R. Kelly that triggered you know the conversation that I would say we're currently having, which is maybe not new, but I think it's, it's, this is also trending and growing, but we're identifying the ways that, you know, we have not we as a need, but like the ways that older women in black communities have also raped young boys. Like a lot of my guy friends growing up were having sex before they were like 12 and majority of the girls, I'm not going to say women yet, but the majority of the girls that they had had sex with for the first time were well, were older. They were like 18 plus. Yeah. And, um, you know, and thinking back, I'm like, you know, listening to them tell the story, I was like, oh man, like Mm -hmm. I knew something was wrong, but I still was like, it was still like, oh damn boy, like, okay. Well, yeah, they were taught to endure rape. They were taught to endure that, Mm -hmm. right? Or they were, and it was, or they were taught that like, that they were learning something. But like what you were learning, like now that we are mature and um, and we're starting to identify, you know, the issues with that, we're like, no, nah, that wasn't, exactly. that wasn't okay. So, and I think I remember someone, I think it was on Instagram, like I always am, but I was on social media and I had noticed, well, somebody posted, you know, just identifying that, that very thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I had to sit back and think about that. I was like, yeah. And I remember, you know, just the certain languages that, that folks would use around us, like calling their, you know, their little cousins, like their boyfriends or something like that, or calling their friends, younger brother, their boyfriends or their husbands. Yeah. And I think at one point I did that too, but I was like 19. I think my best friend's little brother was like probably 15 or 16. But even then I'm like, and even though it was a joke, yeah, it was still that's still that's still an issue very strange you know it's very strange because it's not that i was attracted to this younger boy but it was a common thing right but it was coming from it may have been coming from folks and women who really were attracted to these younger men Mm -hmm. and and probably was engaging in you know some type of activity i've been engaging in with this young man Mm -hmm. and yeah i had to really sit back and think about the certain language that we use um between older women mm-hmm. and younger boys mm-hmm. and vice versa with older men and, and younger girls and it's just that's mm-hmm. we got some work to do in our communities no we do and that's particularly true for us because you know black people black folks do it's in in particular under this eurocentric white supremacist construct that we live in there right <laughs> Say that three times, girl. oh my god i have a degree um so <laughs> You know, (laughs) whatever. But you know, because of that construct that we that we're you know forced to survive in, um, you know, many of us, um, the way that we develop as Black folks is looked at differently, Mm -hmm. right? I don't think it's nothing wrong with how we how we develop. I don't think it's human. It is what it is. But sometimes, you know, in comparison to other bodies. Right. And this is, goes back to the history of black folks being sexualized, you know, especially with our boys. This is why somebody like Tamir Rice, somebody like, you know, Trayvon Martin can be looked at as men when we talking about babies. Yeah. We're literally talking about that. I don't give a shit if he's six foot nine. Yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Like he's if he is 14, if he's 12, 
he's a child. Yeah. I don't care how broad his shoulders are. I don't that he African. That's yeah. the that's that's how he gonna look. Yeah. He's a child. Yeah. Right. Same thing with black girls. Mm-hmm. I had I was wearing a C cup at third, 12, mm-hmm. 13 years old. Okay. So again, I don't care how big my titties are. Mm-hmm. I'm a child. Yeah. Right. And so because we've been sexualized because of that, black and non-black people look at black children, we, they're adultified. And so black, what's happening is, is black women and men who prey on young young people are like, ooh, you know, he got, you know, looks this fine young man. He don't, he don't look, you know, 14 or she don't look 14. Yeah. She looks like, you know, seems like you're ready, you know, so... <laughs> Like yeah, yeah. No. Definitely, yeah, definitely not yeah. ready for your bullshit. Yeah, you know, you know. So, um, it's like, oh, child, yeah, yeah. We 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 definitely have some work to do. I'm glad that the conversation is 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 being had, mm-hmm. and of course, we're gonna have people who get in the way, and unfortunately, it's always. Our, each other mm-hmm. we get in, in our own or in each other's way in the, in the black community unfortunately um but i think the conversation is is necessary because mm-hmm. you know the younger kids are going to hear us talking about those things and then they're going to dismantle even more mm-hmm. right they're going to uncover and identify even more issues mm-hmm. you know that that have come with it and i think that is going to push the healing even you know even deeper so yeah i thank you though for you know having this entire conversation with me um i really wish mandisa and jamal were here um because they can give their perspectives and both both very intelligent 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 black folks um and they can tell their stories as well um and we have plenty of time to to uh to have another yeah to continue to unpack Yeah, yeah yeah and 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 things will always come up. I'm sure we're going to, you know, I'm going to be inspired by something different and have another and have another uh, vision for sure. But thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I love you so much. I love you. This Goddess is daddy. The Goddess daddy. I like that. I like well, that. Well, you was telling your pronouns. It, yeah. Daddy, goddess, or goddess, daddy. Which one do you like better? Either is fine, you know. <laughs> I just, yeah. Wait, daddy or zaddy? Daddy with a D. Daddy with a D. D, 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 want the D. D as a dick. D as a dick. Uh oh. And she's <laughs> looking me dead in my eyeballs, y'all. She said, Look, shaking her leg. D is a dick. Okay, queen. Wait, before we wrap up, though, I do want to encourage people. Um, I am a sexual assault advocate and counselor. And essentially, what that looks like is that I'm trained to be able to respond. Um, effectively and adequately to victims of sexual assault. I don't care at what age it happened at. It could be something from 30 years ago to something that happened last night. Mm-hmm. Um, if you all are in need of just being able to talk to somebody to figure out what resources are available to you, um, what to do, what not to do, you know, which I'm not going to tell you either of that. I'm just going to present you with options and let you choose. I'm available to, you know, um, consult with you. Um, and just have a conversation because I think particularly we like to separate the conversation from of sexual trauma from pleasure, but we have to bring them together Yeah, because your sexual trauma will impede on how and create blockages for your pleasure. 
it's even to this day, even with the work that I do, it's hard for me to connect sexually with even somebody that um, I like and who I know is a good person mm -hmm. because I have these blockages that are, you know, getting in the way of me being able to ha have more pleasurable sex. Mm -hmm. So it's important to talk about. I love that. So tell the audience where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Souls and Juice Spots. That's S O U L Z A N D G S P O T Z. Um, you can send me an email at soulsandgspots at gmail.com. <laughs> and of course, you guys know you can reach us at Living Millennial PC on Instagram. That's at Living Millennial with two N's. That's how millennial is spelled. <laughs> PC on Instagram and then Living Millennial Podcast on Facebook. You can always hit us up. Uh, tell us what you think about the show. Of course, much gratitude for your your energy and your intelligence um, and educating us. We'll have resources for you all as well connected to the show. Thank you all for listening. Tell us what y'all think. Like, let's talk. Mm -hmm. This was dope. Let's continue to talk. I love talking about sex. Me too. Thank y'all so much for listening and tuning in. Rate, comment, like, share, follow, tell all your friends. This is Living Millennial. Yee. Mm -hmm. um, Record. <laughs> Record. Oh my God, I have so much to edit. This is so. <laughs> <laughs> no. Be sure to subscribe to our show. Follow us on IG and tell us what you think.